Hi, I'm Babita, and welcome back to our podcast, Mum Will the Planet Die Before I Do, a climate parenting podcast for kids, mums and dads, guardians and carers all around the world. My co-presenter Katie and I are both journalists, and we're also mums seeking answers on questions on how to help the next generation facing a climate crisis. Before we introduce our next brilliant guest, just a reminder that you can follow our podcast updates on social media with the hashtag mum or the planet die. And you can also find out more information on how to connect with us in the link below to this series. In today's episode, Katie and I speak to environmental campaigner, Guardian columnist, journalist and filmmaker George Monbiot, who is the author of a number of books on climate change. We began by asking George how to parent in a climate crisis. Well, by living in a state of denial, I guess. I mean, which sounds strange because my job involves confronting reality to a greater extent than almost anyone does, you know, and and I'm pretty good at handling a certain amount of reality. But when it comes to what my kids might face, that's a bit I can't handle. And that's a place I can't go. Um, and, And so I... I do uh, uh, sort of refuse to engage with it properly. Um, and, and is that a healthy thing? Is that an unhealthy thing? I don't know. You know, there aren't any rules for this. There aren't any guidelines. We can't turn to any prior philosophy or, or any guru or anyone who can tell us, well, this is the right way to handle this. It was done like this 2000 years ago. You know, no, this is a totally different situation to those that any generations have faced before. And we have to find our own way of facing it and engaging with it. And, you know, I, I, the last thing I want to suggest in talking to you today is that my way is the right way because I've got no confidence at all that it is. Well, what is your way then? So my way is to dissociate, is to split. Um, so I've, I've been working on these issues now for 37 years. And I've seen so many people burn out. So many of my friends and colleagues, particularly in activism, burn out and really sort of psychologically collapse. It's it's a horrible thing to see. And then they can never engage with these issues again after that point or only after years of therapy and really traumatic processes. And I've avoided that. Um, partly, I don't know why, but partly as a result of dissociation. Um, And I I sort of do it consciously and unconsciously. And what that involves is putting it in a certain bit of the brain, which is the sort of rational intellectual side, where I say, all right, now this is an interesting challenge. Um, uh, how, How do we understand this new research and where does it place us? And what critique can I apply to government policy as a result of this new research? And it's all up there in the sort of intellectual, rational sphere. Whereas underneath that, you know, in the emotional sphere, I'm going, ah, no, no. But uh, that voice is suppressed. That internal voice is suppressed. And I'm sort of, uh, I try to keep it all in that rational sphere. Now, obviously that doesn't always work. And the time it works least, and worst is when I'm thinking about my own children and and the world that they're going to grow up into. So what what happens then if um, I mean is that a way of coping that suppression? Yeah, no, that is my coping. Because what happens if you don't do that? What happens if you lift the lid on that? Do you then just what collapse? 
well, sort of, yeah. I, I, that's what happened to me um, a, a few um, months ago. It was immediately after the um, COP26 summit, the climate summit in Glasgow, where I'd just seen everything fall apart. You know, all these promises, this is a summit to beat all summits. This is when we'll finally crack the issue. And then they just, they just walked off. They couldn't, couldn't be bothered. And after all the enormous efforts I'd seen of activists, of um, really amazing people in the streets, outside the conference center, trying to um, push governments to do the right thing. It was just devastating to see their total insouciance. And soon after that, I was um, talking to um, Good Morning Britain um, in some complete asinine Good Morning Britain discussion about sort of our insulate Britain terrorists or something equally idiotic. And I then suddenly in the middle of this, you know, after really suffering what felt like, you know, um, a pummeling by that horrible experience in Glasgow, I just lost it. And I started crying on the telly. And I mean, I felt mortified by it, but it, it was like, I just couldn't stop myself almost like a raw animal thing watching it I felt um and the headlines of course George as you'll know as a journalist as Katie's I was like George Monbiot crying on national tv and it was like um and I think both Katie and I were like wow this is um because Katie you had that raw emotion after oh, Cop as well, Babs, didn't you? I had that as well I would just call Babs every day literally just weeping and weeping yeah. and weeping and physically not being able to stop crying and but I think the thing kind of collectively as parents to understand moving forward trying to understand our emotional reaction understanding watching the very fabric of what makes this world our planet our functioning planet slipping away watching that there's nobody really in charge who's doing enough you know I kind of feel like we need that emotional we need to be devastated we need to be gutted we need to really sit in it and understand what's happening but I don't know how to kind of traverse or kind of work through that to then get to a pl place to think okay the people in charge like Tory leadership contest and stuff like that I mean we are just for our listeners nobody... by the way talking about UK here because we have yeah. got listeners around the world and we should just point out that we're going through rather messy um not very nice um some would say undemocratic process in this country yeah, at the yeah, moment yeah. but you know I think what we're talking about actually relates to parents all over the world where you feel this inaction because oh, you definitely. feel this lost sense of despair so what, yeah. yeah and po and politics around the world you know no nobody or few politicians really kind of understanding what's happening or maybe understanding choosing not to but then as a parent you can put blame on MPs or on the UN or on whatever and then ultimately what keeps me up at night is thinking I am the adult in charge of my children and I don't know in, within my realm of power what I should be doing I can see that this is happening I can see that there are a few insects I can say you know you can see but I don't know what as a parent we've got lots of power as parents but I don't know what to do with that yeah well the terrifying thing is is the realization that you're the only adult in charge Yes. You know, that there's no yes. one, that there, there's no one, there's, there's no benign authority looking down and you saying, yeah, we're going to sort this out. Yes. I mean, what, you know, particularly living in the UK where, you know, we have a bunch of overgrown toddlers in charge. I, with these, you know, 
unbelievably just retentive behaviors which are frankly terrifying in people who claim to represent and even worse to lead us you know they're, they're the very opposite of leaders um they're just vandals they're just going around sort of smearing food on the walls um and and ripping things up and they know how to smash things they have no idea but, wait, but what do we do with that george because i just want to go back to that that point of vulnerability that you talked about on national television how did you feel after that moment and then what then happened as you went about your daily business for the next few days weeks months after that well i mean i I've, yeah i felt I've, i felt pretty embarrassed by it um but then a few weeks later, Don't Look Up came out. Yeah. And and that, uh, for me, I mean, no, no, I know it's really divided people, that film. Um, some people love it, some people hate it. Um, and generally, in my experience, the people who really love it are the people who have been there. Um, and and that was me, because it was like watching my life flash before me. It was, it was like, oh, my God, yeah, this is our whole life, including that moment, because mm. there's this moment in the TV studio where one of the scientists mm. just completely loses it. Um, and, and I felt, oh God, it just hit me in the guts. It's like, yeah, that, that's exactly how it felt. That's how it was. And, and part of the reason I, I realized looking back on that um, discussion, one of the reasons I lost it was the sheer welter of trivia um, that, that we were surrounded by. So in, in the film, um, the this sort of issue that you know the meteorite is going to come and destroy the earth it gets knocked down and down the schedule by some uh, insane celebrity stupid um, spat with you know this um, celeb um, played brilliantly by Ariana, Ariana Grande um, breaking up and getting back together with her boyfriend live on air and everything and all everything's trending and then it comes to this oh and finally oh by the way yeah the earth's um, going to be destroyed and it's that it's that disproportion that the way in which we we shut shut ourselves down shut our awareness of of this the this devastating future down by focusing on trivia and banter that is part of the of the corrosive uh, emotionally destructive environment in, in which we live and and so I realized watching that, yeah, that's that's part of the reason why I lost it was that it was just such a stupid discussion and such a stupid program. And and that, that you know, not blaming the program because actually that is the whole culture. You know, we're totally surrounded by this, this sort of self-inflicted stupidity, you know, our way of dealing with conflict and and with crisis, uh, in fact, with ex- the prospect of existential crisis of total collapse of our life support systems is denying it then ignoring it and then distracting ourselves by saying oh look there's something funny and and oh my god look what that celebrity just did oh my god one actor slapped another actor oh my god right headline news everywhere all over the world and it's that that is what undermines you more than anything else I think it's interesting you say that because you talk about denial but then we started this conversation where you said that you know sometimes you have to kind of put things separate things split them and there is that denial area as well so it almost feels and I and I get what you're saying I think we both Katie and I both do don't you Katie like that that where you kind of have to separate it otherwise you are going to implode I feel like there's a a time though I feel like there's a moment where people are 
are moving beyond that though I feel well, like there's a yeah. general panic where yes you're right that's lovely oh thank god some lovely distraction and a Netflix thing and I'm going to binge Stranger Things and you know all of that kind of stuff but there comes a point where the level of awareness and headlines even for non you know climate activist parents just parents scrolling through the news this stuff is undeniable their kids come back from school they're learning about climate change it's not you can't make yourself immune from it you can't stop it hitting you and I just feel like there's a, a moment now where it's so relentless there's a choice either you totally shut down to the point of just denying which I would love to do think oh brilliant this is all you know or I, I don't know what the alternative is I, no. I don't know what to do with that tension and I think for parents across the globe some of them living in climate crises whose governments are maybe trying to say oh yeah heavy rain this year you know what what do we do we we know we understand we understand I don't know what... I don't know if I agree with that though I don't know if people are going there in the way you in the way you describe I mean George what's your what do you think what's your assessment of where we're at with this conversation now because it's noisy out there isn't it I mean look I, I think there's a a minority of the population who are taking it all on their shoulders and a majority of the population is saying eat drink and be happy for tomorrow we die and, and they're effectively free riding on the moral concern, which a few of us have adopted. Yeah, no, but when um, you've got kids, when you've got kids mm, at school, and mm. I've got three children, they're all two at primary school, one at secondary school, they are all learning about climate change. Yeah, yeah. So it's not, I, I agree, I, I, I totally know what you mean, but any parent will be of a child who is in mainstream education will have that parent coming that child coming home and asking them about this yeah no no it's true I, of course but and and i've no idea how most of them are responding to those questions um it's i, I mean uh, uh, look i mean I, I i i i think that actually you know we we we, we desperately need to start looking at producing a set of guidelines to, to help people navigate this because you know, if you and I don't know the answers you know, um, when we're spending our lives immersed in this stuff, well, you know, well maybe there aren't any answers. And that's you know, quite plausible. You know, just because we're looking for answers doesn't mean that they exist. But if they do, well, we should be identifying those and then spreading the news of how, how, how to deal with it. Because you know, what, what I see as a really common response is either shutting it down completely, you know, which is, you know, when I talk about my own denial, it, it's the emotional denial, not the factual denial. I'm not sort of, yeah. you know, denying that it's happening in any way, of course, I'm quite the opposite. But, but um, you, know, you either shut yourself down emotionally or shut yourself down intellectually or both. Yeah, and I think both is extremely common. Or you just fall apart and you can't cope. And it adds to the huge mental health crisis, which we've already got. And, and neither of those are the right way to respond, obviously. Um, so we know what the wrong ways are, but you know, I'm manifestly uncertain about what the right ways are. Wow, after 37 years. After 37 years. I mean, I can, you know, in, in my adult, you know, dealing with adults in all in my professional life you know absolute clarity this is what we need to do 
um, you know, this is why we need to get political. This is how we need to mobilize. This is the better political system we need. Yeah, I, I can give you manifestos and prescriptions until I'm blue in the face. You know, no shortage of all that, you know, all the sort of rational intellectual things. But how do you talk to your children about it? Indeed, how do you even talk to your partner about it? You know, these things, you know, I'm as lost as anyone else is. <laughs> Sorry. We don't want that from you. We <laughs> want like the Oracle. We want like, you know, the Ten Commandments. We <laughs> do you know, it's funny you should say that because um, on this journey of these episodes, we've spoken to some incredible people like yourselves and um, we're getting the sense of a personal heartfelt, vulnerable journey of people that are talking about mental health, well-being, resilience, things that we didn't actually think about. You know, we think about recycling, weren't we, Katie, and how we do this and campaigning and activism, but it probably all starts in within and, and how you are mentally and physically and how grounded you are. Yeah. And perhaps that's what the youth climate activists have all said to us, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting talking to you, listening to you, George, that all of the, the youth climate activists are all saying this, aren't they? Mental health, look after yourself, mm-hmm. mental resilience. And it's stuff that I think for our generation, it's a, it's a lot more difficult to appreciate that that's such an integral part of this journey, that it actually, if you're not taking time to just be, to just process, to find joy wherever you can, you, you are absolutely going to burn out. We have a moral duty to be resilient and to remain effective because there's so few of us you know i mean mm. frightening still frighteningly few of us and we can't uh, you know we owe it to other people to sustain our efforts not to burn out to, to be able to keep going and that means we have to look after ourselves not just for our own sake yeah you know, we have a moral duty to look after ourselves how do you carry on I don't know. I mean, it could be, you know, I don't want to attribute any great talent or skill to myself. It could just be personality traits. You know, it's like some people can stick with this stuff. Some people can't. You know, and it's, um, it could be upbringing. You know, um, I had a really shit upbringing in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I was sent to boarding school when I was eight, um, which in some ways was just awful. And in some ways a relief because home life was pretty awful too. Um, and so you just get used to absorbing an awful lot of shit. You can take it, you just have to. Um, but then actually some people in the same circumstance completely fell apart. You know, I mean, amongst my peer group, there were, even as children, there were suicides and suicide attempts, um, unsurprisingly. Um, I, I don't know. It could just be that, you know, some people have a shell and other people don't have a shell and it might not be healthy to have a shell. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't know. You know, I don't know these answers, which, you know, I find disorienting and scary because, you know, I'm supposed to know answers. You know, when it comes to research, I've got a great capacity for learning huge amounts of stuff and being able to say, yes, well, the figures on this are such and such. And and the reality of this is it's like this. And all, you know, I'm good at that stuff. But when it comes to how you cope and what lessons you can apply, for, for, from that coping you know I'm, I'm I'm just as lost as anybody else is so maybe it is it's the resilience then I mean for our children they will we know they will be facing stuff we we cannot even begin to comprehend they will be facing things that we just simply can't prepare them for 
So maybe would you say for other parents listening to this, maybe adults who haven't had children yet or adults, you know, working out how to parent their children best they can. Is it resilience then, would you say, is the best kind of not preparation for our children, but the best lesson to be learning, to, to be teaching them? Yeah, I mean, yes, yes. I mean, resilience is, is, is underrated and absolutely crucial. You know, just being able to get through one day after another, but also, you know, to be able to do that for the whole of whatever our mortal span might be, you know, four, de- um, four, four score years or more, you know, to, to be able to just keep on keeping on. That is one of life's great skills. And we need to recognise that and, and, and build on the tremendous knowledge um, of psychotherapists and others in, in developing how to build and in knowing how to build resilience. Um, and yeah, we should be teaching it in schools because God knows everyone's going to need it. Yeah, in more ways than one as well. I mean, I think it's interesting listening to you because people do look to you, whether you like it or not, George, when you're so vocal on Twitter, calling out inaction every single day. You've got millions of people that have downloaded various videos, clips, films on YouTube. You're kind of, um, you know, up there in terms of one of the most high profile environmentalists, which with it, I'm sure comes a huge responsibility. But then I think people look to you for answers, which is why I suppose we're asking you the question about how do you parent in a climate crisis? So when you say, you know, can't give you answers and I'm a bit lost like everyone else, I feel a bit, um, I don't know if you don't know them, how, how, how the hell are we gonna get through it? If someone like you doesn't know them, no, where, where do we uh, go with that? Don't, don't, don't be like that because you know, we're all good at some things and rubbish at other things, aren't we? You know, and 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 that's not where my strength lies. You know, I mean, um, I, I mean, I try to be a good parent, um, but you know, I have, you know, we all have intelligence which is focused on various areas, and you know, I'm, I'm yeah, I know I'm very good at crunching vast amounts of research and making sense of it, and and then um, exploring it and, and explaining it in, in, in ways that other people are going to comprehend. And holding um, people to account as well. Yes, 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 indeed. And, and sort of, you know, pursuing things in the political <clears throat> sphere. I'm good at that stuff, but, you know, don't, don't expect just because I've got skills in that area that I've got skills in, 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 in any other area because, unfortunately, including contemporary dance, my skills are very limited. In, right, well, we're, we're, we're doomed then, Katie. I was going to use a stronger word than that, but we're doomed then, you know, on this no. journey. If George doesn't know, then where are we going to no, go? No, no, I'm saying the opposite. I'm saying the opposite. You know, you're far more likely to know about, about uh, how, how to engage in, in this issue than I am, um, because it's, it's, you know, it doesn't play to my skill set. Um, I mean, I'm doing my best, you know, like all parents, you know, constantly struggling with every aspect of parenthood. How can I be a better parent? How can, um, you know, what did I get wrong this time? Um, how, how can we improve it? How did that break down so quickly? Why, why, why did um, this daughter get so upset about such and such? And, you know, how can you reassure her better next time? All those things, whether it's climate or anything, you know, an entirely different subject. 
all those are things which all parents struggle with. And I'm no better than any other parent at, at, at navigating them. Mm. Um, yeah, I have not that I'm completely absent in, 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 in completely lacking in emotional intelligence, but you know, it's not um, it's not up there with some of the other forms of intelligence that I might be able to deploy. Mm. And you know, and you know, mine is far more sort of academic and analytical uh, uh, approach. And so, yeah, I'm I'm probably your average parent in terms of my skills and my capacity, but but no more than that. Is is um is change coming? Mm. Um, and, and what is that change? Well, actually, so this is there is one. In, in one respect, things have massively improved, and that respect is parenting. You know, if we think of the parenting of former generations, of how they spoke to children, of how you know, the lies, the systemic lies which children were told about almost everything, you know, the, the, the default option was to lie to your children, mm. um, not to mention all the, um, the hitting and the shouting and the screaming and all the horrible ways in which children were brought up. Yeah, the, the, the lack of love, um, that, um, you know, that has massively improved. Um, male parenting has massively yeah. improved. You know, men are much more hands-on than they used to be. Not universally, okay. of course, you know, yeah. not, you know, and are not in any way saying that you know, men have taken on an equal share. They haven't. But it is much, much better than it used to be. And I know so many people whose fathers were terrible terrible fathers whose grandfathers were even worse to their fathers uh, but who were wonderful fathers themselves yeah and so in that respect things have massively improved you know and, and i never want to create the impression that everything's going downhill because it's not some things some things are so much better than they were and that will help our children to navigate these really difficult situations that they do have a more solid uh, a more solid ground on which they stand as a result of that much better parenting but obviously, when it comes to the state of the biosphere, our life support systems, well, yeah, no, things, things are, are going south at astonishing speed. Actually, Babs, that's very reassuring, though. What, what, Babs what the things, are going, to, the no, things are going down. No, in terms of parenting, in terms of what yeah. we've been trying to understand is how, how do we change parenting to be able to help our children to face what they're going to face. And Babs and I have been on this journey. How do we change things up? How do we parent differently? How do we parent differently? But actually, George, what you're saying is parenting has changed. You're right. We we have changed. We have yeah, evolved. I, really, I never really thought about it like that. Yeah. And you know, maybe all of those things of what what do we do differently? Actually, we we just love, we listen to our kids, we be kind, we teach them to be part of a community we teach them to be friends and you are right that's a really good reminder that those are general trends that have gone in the right direction it, for some, yeah, I'd say say, yeah I'd say that's true I think we've got to think about the nuances of cultures here because you know in the culture that yeah. I grew up in it's not it wasn't like that you know um, we were loved in in um, practical ways you know shelter food education but not necessarily verbally as in, you know, not coming from a very tactile family where I love you, I love you is with the norm. And I think that like some cultures like have that. Actually, any any that, that exists in lots of different countries around the world. So I think that if the biggest thing we can do is have that communication of love and like open up that love language, then that's probably got to have an incredible effect on the next generation in ways probably like George that we've have not probably contemplated before. I think. Um, 
but when you say change is going south rapidly um i say south but you know what i mean going downhill then we are on a bit of a time watch here aren't we and with that then um it's it's scary it is blinking terrifying because you know what we're talking about is the collapse of complex systems you know people one of our great educational failings is we're never taught complex systems and yet everything important to us is a complex system starting with the human brain the human body society is a complex system everything that surrounds us is a complex system um, and our ecosystems are complex systems the earth system is a system of complex systems. They, they, they don't respond in linear ways to, 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 to stress. Um, within a certain stress range, um, their self-regulating properties damp that stress down and prevent shocks from being amplified. But uh, as a system begins to break down, um, those same properties do the opposite and um, you get negative feedback turns into positive feedback and um, you, you get the um, acceleration of uh, an amplification of shocks across the system, and then the system suddenly tips. And, uh, and that, that is you know, what we face when it comes to earth systems, when it comes to ecosystems, when it comes to climate, when it comes to oceans, um, when, when it comes to ice shelves, they're all complex systems. And when they go, they go almost immediately, just boom, from one equilibrium state to a completely different equilibrium state. Now, the current equilibrium state of Earth systems is more or less the one into which we evolved, and the great majority of life evolved to match the conditions of that state. Now, if that state flips into a radically different equilibrium state, which it will if Earth systems pass their tipping points, then it flips into a state for which we have not evolved and effectively the earth becomes uninhabitable. So that's it then, why, why, why do we bother? Well, we bother because we need to stop that tipping point from being reached. But we're there, um, aren't we, already? We're, we're well, on no, that we're trajectory, quite. aren't we? Well, we're, we're on that trajectory, but that's not the same as saying it has to happen. Mm. Um, I mean, it gets harder and harder as, as we prevaricate more and more, as we don't take the action which needs to be taken. Every subsequent incre increment of action becomes greater if you're going to prevent it from happening. But that's not the same as saying it's already happened. We'll know all about it when it's already happened. It'll be like the road. Yeah. It's just unimaginable what, what that's going to look like. Um, but, but it hasn't happened yet. And we have to throw everything we've got into it to stop it from happening. I mean, if we, you know, if things carry on as they are with these appalling governments and this complete lack of general will to secure our own survival, then I think it could even happen in my lifetime, let alone my children's. And we just have to stop business as usual. We have to stop things from carrying on as they are. The people who are doing that most effectively, and it's by no means their job, is young people. Yeah. Um, it's our teenagers, it's mm -hmm. children much younger than teenagers who are the ones you know making signs going to protests and that feels so unfair that the obviously the least responsible yeah. and often the least responsible from um countries on the front line of climate change are the young people who are protesting the loudest yeah. what 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 are your feelings 
about that, about whether they're being listened to, about just the unfairness of that. <laughs> yeah. it, it's grossly unfair, but, you know, we can't expect them to be listened to. That's not how politics changes. That's not how things change. Politics changes when change becomes inexorable. And change becomes inexorable because societies are also complex systems, which also have tipping points. And in fact, we know more or less where the tipping points lie within society because it's been quite well studied. There's a, a number of observational and experimental studies showing that when a new idea achieves roughly 25% social acceptance, it suddenly becomes generalized. And then you, know, you have to be a dictatorship to resist that new idea from, 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 from becoming universalized and, and passing into changes of policy. So a very good example is uh, marriage equality. So if you think just, you know, not many years ago, the whole idea that legal gay marriage was, it was just completely atrocious and unacceptable. We can't have that. The civilization would collapse if we allow that sort of thing. And then suddenly it's like, oh yeah, well, what's, what's the problem with that? Anyone, anyone who opposes that must be a total bigot. Mm. Right. So how did that happen? How did that, that remarkable change in a very yeah. few years take place? Well, what happened was that gay rights campaigners very successfully through very powerful, determined campaigning, widened the social circle of acceptance. They widened the circle of acceptance of the idea that marriage equality was not just legitimate, but necessary. Um, and, and they then reached that social tipping point and suddenly everyone went, well, yeah, no, I've always believed, I've always believed that, that, that you know, gay people should be allowed to marry, of course. Yeah. And, 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 and so powerful was that flip that even yeah. David Cameron's government was obliged to bring in a marriage equality act. Um, and, and indeed, we've seen similar things across most of Europe. Um, and, and, and so, you know, that's, that's what we have to do. And in fact, there's other research uh, paper showing that in 2019, Fridays for Future very nearly got there. Mm. Um, they were getting very close to that 25% threshold of people accepting that we need radical political and economic change to prevent um, climate catastrophe. Um, and then of course, COVID came along and just shut that whole thing down. But, you know, there's a hopeful aspect in that, in that it very nearly happened, so we can make it happen. We yeah, can. it shows it can be done, right? Um, I'm wondering, with all your 37 years of work that you've done in this space, um, if there's another 37 years to come, and at the end of it, whenever the end might be, what, how you want to be remembered or what your legacy you want that to be or, yeah. Well, so I certainly don't intend to retire. <laughs> That's not something which is in any way appealing to me. Um, I mean, the legacy, you know, is, is a shared legacy I want us all to leave behind, which is a habitable planet. You know, and, and it's not something anyone can deliver by themselves. It's um, part of what must be a massive collective effort. And any successful campaign is an ecosystem. It needs lots of different people doing different things, using their particular skills to the maximum. So, you know, we need um, activists on the street. We need the huge infrastructure of people supporting those activists, because for everyone sitting on the street, you need 10 people doing other jobs you need your radical accountants your radical lawyers your radical radical accountants i love yes. that i'm going to use that yes they exist 
Yes, yes. I mean, uh, you know, you, you need people like yourselves exploring all the different aspects of, of the problem. You know, how do we cope as parents? How do we do this bit? How do we do that bit? And so if we have a legacy, it's not any one person's legacy. It's going to be the legacy of that collective action of all these people bringing their skills to bear. And I've got a particular narrow skill set, which is, you know, the research and the writing and the journalism and the videos and the books and stuff, um, not the dancing. Um, and, 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 you know, I'm trying to use that to the max and recognize where my strengths lie, where my weaknesses lie. People keep saying, oh, you should go into politics. You should be prime minister. And no, I'd be absolutely crap at that. And also, you know, I don't accept the legitimacy of, of this top-down centralized system trying to control a complex system called society. It just doesn't work. It can't work, can't possibly work. I don't want to be part of that system. I, I want to pull that system down in order to allow other systems, um, our earth systems, our social systems to survive. But you know, I recognize all the time, you know, I'd be, even if I were to try to act within that system, I'd be really, really bad at it, I'm, I'm totally useless. Um, and so, you know, we just each got to concentrate on what we do best and coordinate those skills to, to leave the legacy, which is called life on earth. The amazing George Monbiot there, reminding us that we all play a role in saving the planet. Join us next week when Babs and I pick out the highlights of the first series of this podcast. We'll be discussing what we've learned from our incredible guests about parenting in the climate crisis and whether we found answers to the questions we had when we first began this journey on climate parenting. And don't worry, after next week's episode, we'll be taking a short break and we'll be back with a second series in the autumn. Don't forget to join the conversation on social media. You can connect with us using the hashtag MumWillThePlanetDie via our social media handles. Details in the link to this episode. Thanks so much and see you next week. Mum, will the planet die before I do? is a Corner Shop media production presented and produced by Babita Sharma, Katie Glasborough and edited by Nisha Patel.